Pittsburgh Steelers fans, it is time once again for another episode of Here We Go! It's the Steelers Show, and now we are talking about the Pittsburgh Steelers being in camp, and I am loving it, and so is my good friend KT Smith, but I'll let him speak for himself. Kevin, what is going on, coach? Yeah, camp week. Camp week. Yes, sir. I can't wait. Uh, just it's been it's been fun reading about what's going on so far and and then I'm headed out there on Thursday so very excited last year was my first trip to Latrobe and uh, my my family actually loved it I mean I I was trying I thought I'd have to sell them again I was gonna I was gonna try to sell them I was gonna dangle the whole like we'll hit camp and on the way back we'll go to Hershey Park I thought I'd have to dangle that but camp was enough I said we'll hit camp and they were like okay now, I still have to take them <laughs> to Hershey Park but you know <laughs> well that's Good, you know, I'm not I'm not that far from Hershey, so you might be going past uh, where I am. I might have to meet you on the highway, my friend. <laughs> if you're hitchhiking, I'll pick you up. Well, thank you. Yeah, I I appreciate that. I uh, but don't hitchhike, folks. It's, it's this isn't the reference. '70s anymore. It's dangerous. Yeah, it's a dated reference for sure. <laughs> well, let's get into it. You are going to camp. I almost got a pass to go to camp, but uh, I have extra other things going on here so i am not able to go the same day that you're going but i would love to get out there do you realize the last time i've been to camp was the steelers had just like they had two defensive backs that they drafted they drafted two defensive backs then the last time i was there but one of them was holding out and his name was rod woodson so 987 was a long time ago when i was at camp hmm yeah, that is a long time. I mean, isn't that your – that's kind of your backyard, right? Johnstown, Latrobe, not that far, right? Yeah, Latrobe was about an hour away. Oh, okay. A little further than I thought. No, I mean, 40, maybe 45 minutes. It, it just it just depended. Yeah, they're really not highways to get there. Yeah. Well, I'll be cruising the scenic Pennsylvania Turnpike for about five hours. So. <laughs> so, I love it. Yeah. But Latrobe is home. The Steelers are there. And you're going to see some great stuff because you're going to see a lot of competition. Or is it competition, Kevin? It is competition. Yes, that's what we're talking about today. How how the, the competition at camp is, is largely a product of what the general manager has done. I, I The Steelers seem, I don't know this for a fact, but it feels like when you have your exit meetings from the previous season, you sit down after the year's over and all the players have kind of gone their separate ways for a bit and the, the the front office gets together, the head coach and the brass, et cetera. And you begin to plot your course for the next season. And it, it certainly feels like the Steelers came out of those exit meetings with a directive. And the directive was let's get more physical on both sides of the ball. You know, let's on offense, let's run the football on offense and let's get better up front and, Let's get more uh, diverse at, on defense and and be able to run to the football and, and create competition and create depth and round out the roster. And then and it feels like they said to Omar Khan, all right, you know, go to it. All right, go build us that football team. And boy, it sure feels like he does. So we'll, we'll definitely talk about how he did that in the show today. And we are going to start off with the inside linebacker position because when you think about how elated everybody was after the NFL draft in 2023 with everybody that they brought in, 
there was one thing. Well, hold the phone. They really did not address the inside linebacker position. And there were some guys out there that they could have brought in, brought in, but they went for a guy like Keanu Benton instead of some of these guys. And so the inside linebacker, the closest thing you got to that was the fact that Mr. Herbig, Nick Herbig, I always call him Mr. First because it takes me a while to decide in my brain whether to say Nate or Nick, (laughs) but Nick is the correct answer. And when they brought in Herbig, you know, there's a lot of people thinking, well, he could pause. He's an outside linebacker, but he could probably play in the inside. And they said all along that, you know, he's probably going to start off as an outside linebacker. And everyone's like, what about the inside linebacker position? But then they started addressing it in free agency. And you thought, well, this is great. It's being addressed. It was addressed before the draft. So I guess they're happy with Cole Holcomb and a Landon Roberts. And they kept going and they kept going and they kept going. And you're like, wow. They are not kidding around. There's a whole lot of depth at inside linebacker right now. And that has Omar Khan's fingerprints all over it. He's going to fix it one way or the other. And Kevin, a good player is going to get cut. Yeah, that's going to be a theme, I think, throughout the roster is that there's going to be good football players who don't make the final 53. And speaking of the inside linebacker position, one of the things I think that's interesting is when you when you talk about the draft you're right the Steelers didn't address it they targeted these guys in free agency Holcomb they were relying on to be the more well-rounded three down backer Roberts seemed to be the the run stuffer the two down guy Uh, Robinson still a bit of a project not enough uh, snaps yet to really decide how he's going to fare in the big picture and it just felt like a piece was missing right You, you you felt like they were going to have either have to get really creative with their sub packages and, and use a guy like Ken O'Neill in a de facto linebacker role. If they w- wanted to uh, get Roberts off the field on third downs uh, or they were going to be, you know, kind of up against it. I mean, one of the things that we've seen from the Steelers the last couple of years, unfortunately, is their linebackers put into positions where they're not built to excel, whether that's guys, in coverage who aren't great coverage backers or guys forced to be run stoppers who maybe that's not their strength anymore. And by signing Quan Alexander, they've now really sort of checked off that final box. I mean, Cole Holcomb is still going to be the three down backer. Alandon Roberts can, can now either be the starter beside him uh, as a first and second down guy, or uh, he can be a situational backer who, if it's third and short, if it's a run situation, uh, he comes onto the field and Quan Alexander can now do a little bit more of the coverage duties to, uh, where he's really well suited for that. So you've got to, you've got these three linebackers now who, who check all the boxes and you can bring Mark Robinson along a little more slowly. You don't have to force him onto the field and you can really sort of say, Hey, what's he do best? Let's put him in positions where he can find some success, which is always good for the confidence of a young player. So again, they could have, they could have stood pat and said, well, we've got two starters in Holcomb and Robertson. We've got, we got a third guy in Robinson, and let's see how this goes. But they didn't do that. This is not a let's see how this goes team right now. This is a team where all the pieces are in place, and 
you know, two dog, you know, two two dogs, one bone, man. There's going to be some guys fighting for the bone who aren't going to get it. And I love that. Well, you know what? You know, I said one player might get cut. One good player might be, get cut. But how many do they keep? Because we know we're pretty sure Cole Holcomb, Landon Roberts, Quan Alexander, and Mark Robinson are getting hats. But you still have Tanner Muse, who came in from Seattle, and Nick Kwiatkowski as well. Kwiatkowski, the hometown boy, those are two good players in Muse and Kwiatkowski. And then there's Chappelle Russell, which Chappelle Russell, which who I don't know way too much about, but Muse is very interesting, especially for special teams. And Kwiatkowski, he's still a very good player. Yeah, I right. Kwiatkowski is the guy who I think has the hardest path to the final roster because Muse does offer more flexibility. He can play a strong safety role if you need him to, and he's a very good special teams player. So if they are in a spot where they're looking for a 53rd guy and it becomes a conversation about an inside linebacker, you, you would definitely keep into consideration the fact that Muse is just a little bit more diverse, even though Kwiatkowski is probably the better inside backer. So that'll be really interesting sort of side battle to watch as it evolves. I do want to correct myself, Kevin, because I am saying that there are going to be good players cut, but could this be a just a scenario where they might keep one of these guys on the roster and try to move them right before camp starts to maybe uh, get a sixth or seventh round pick? Well, the con artist has certainly showed himself to be uh, pretty adept at, uh, you know, sending other teams 50 cents and getting a dollar back for it. So I wouldn't shock me at all. I don't know. You know, who knows what he's going to, what he's going to do with some of these extra pieces, but, but so, you're right. Some of the guys he's brought in, it's just, it's a numbers game. They're just not going to be able to, to fit them all. And right. What do you do about that? Do you look to move a guy? Uh, do you look to, do you just cut him? I mean, one of the things the Steelers have done at times in the past is cut guys early so that they have an opportunity to, to uh, get claimed or make it with another team, which is a, a very professional way to handle it. But, you know, Khan could also go the route where he decides maybe to hold on to some guys and, and see what he can get back from in return. So he's in he's he's assembled a roster now where he has options. And that's a nice luxury. It really is. And one of the biggest things that everybody was worried about was the outside linebacker in the edge rushing position, especially from the linebackers. T.J. Watt, you know, you've got a stud. You've got an all time great. And Alex Highsmith is a guy who just signed a big contract. You know that they are set in stone. But you were thinking when you brought in Nick Herbig that, well, if one of those guys go da goes down, the rookie's going to start. And the rookie has looked good in just a few days of camp. There's a lot of people excited about him. But the Steelers brought in Marcus Golden, and that is another piece of the puzzle that really boost this roster. And you still have Quincy Roche, you have David Perales and Toby and Duque as well. But when I look at this depth chart, the linebackers all the way around are a lot stronger. And this was kind of their depth weakness. And they have a lot of depth now. Well, first of all, 
the you can't tell a whole lot from the little video clips that you are getting for out of training camp, but it sure looks like Highsmith is. Uh, I'm trying to think. Well, what's the adjective that I want to use for him right here? But but uh, explosive, uh, more diverse. I saw something today on Twitter uh, where where he, I mean I don't want to you know. I don't want this to be a hyperbole alert, but he looked like TJ Watt bending the edge. He was low. He ripped, you know, dipped and ripped, bent the edge really, really sharply. I think the Twitter comment, whoever posted it, was said something along the lines of, if, if this were live football, Highsmith would have about five strip sacks today. It just really <laughs> looks like he's, he's a little bit lighter, a little bit leaner, a little bit quicker, uh, a little craftier. I mean, you know, you get a little bit deeper into your career and you start to really learn the tricks of the professional trade. And that's when guys, you know, sometimes they either, they either make a leap uh, and become, you know, a, a next level guy uh, or they, or they flatten out. And some of the, sometimes those guys who flatten out are out of the league. I mean, you know, the, the uh, expectancy, the life expectancy of an NFL player is really only about three and a half years. You get to the point where Highsmith is and you either level off or you level up. And I mean, he looks like a guy who's ready to take the leap. And that's amazing when you consider the player who's on the other side of the ball, TJ Watt. And then you throw in Herbig, uh, who's been sensational so far in camps. And again, trying not to get too excited and too far ahead of yourselves because it's very, very early and it's training camp practices, et cetera. But Herbig certainly seems like a guy who knows his craft already. And we haven't even mentioned Golden, who's just a, a steady pro. So, I don't know. I, again, if Herbig turns out to be as good as people think he is, if Highsmith has elevated his game the way that it seems that he has, and you throw in Golden and his professionalism and everybody knows what he's capable of, it feels like this is the deepest edge rushing group the Steelers have had in a long, long time. You know, we grew up in the 80s and we had some uh, great years in the 90s as well, watching the Steelers. And you didn't see them do this a whole heck of a lot, but when they did, when they brought in that crafty, reliable veteran, a lot of good things used to happen. And we haven't seen those crafty veterans for a long time. And they're back. And that seems to be the M.O. of Omar Khan. And you're seeing that in a guy like Marcus Golden. You're seeing him with a bunch of these guys that we mentioned here not just Golden, but Kwiatkowski, even Muse, who's been around three or four years, but Alandon Roberts. So those guys coming in, you feel like you're getting a lot of great veteran leadership, but also it seems like he likes the intelligent players. And the Steelers have a whole heck of a lot of intelligence now at depth on defense. They do. And as you were saying that, I was really thinking – uh, about what this reminds me of. And we're giving a lot of credit to Omar Khan, as we should. But I, I do think Andy Weidel's imprint is on this as well, because when you think about how the Philadelphia Eagles built first their Super Bowl championship team back in 2017, and then the team this past year that made it to the Super Bowl, it was with a lot of those mid-level veteran free agent signings. Guys, who weren't necessarily superstars. I mean, the Eagles went out and they got, they signed some high-end guys like A.J. Brown for sure. But they also brought in a lot of mid-level guys who could provide depth for them. The Eagles kept stocking up their offensive and defensive lines. And people, 
here in the Philadelphia area, the South Jersey area, all the Eagles fans would say like, wow, why, why do they got another defensive tackle? Why did, why did they grab another, another guard? They already got like three good guards. And the reason was because they understood attrition. They understood injuries. Uh, and they understood that that depth over the course of a 16 and now 17 game season is absolutely necessary. And you can't put yourself in a position like the Steelers did a couple years ago where a guy like Kendrick Green, who was totally unprepared to be the starting center for the Steelers as a rookie, had to play all 16 games. You needed guys who were quality NFL starters, even if on the original depth chart, they may have been backups. And so I think this I think you see that with what the Steelers have done with a lot of these veteran guys. They they may start the season as backups, they may not play a ton of reps, but when they're going to be called upon, when Marcus Golden has to go onto the field, a good NFL edge rusher is going onto the field. And I think you know, if 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 Nate Herbig has to go into the lineup as a guard, a good NFL guard's going into the game. And that's just something that a position the Steelers haven't been in in a while. So whether it's offense or defense, that's really exciting when you when you think about the depth of the roster. So, Kevin, I let you come up with a title to this show tonight, and it was camp competition, like you said. But I think I'm going to change it because of something you just said. Okay. Just a couple minutes ago. So I think it's a wide open competition. Oh, okay. I like that. I like that. Wide open competition. Excellent. Wide open. Oh, oh, wide. All right. We're, we're killing two birds with one stone on that. Yes. One. Yeah. yeah. yeah you go. brought up Andy Weidel. So nice. I think it's going to be a, a wide open. Yeah. Uh, and, but it's true. It's, I, I think the Eagles are a really good template for this Steelers team. Young, physical, uh, you know, scheme wise, right They're they're not overly complex in terms of the blocking schemes, but they're but they're very complex in the in terms of the window dressing that they put around that. Uh, like you look at the Eagles, the Eagles don't do a ton of stuff. Uh, they take advantage of Jason Kelsey's athleticism, but the Eagles do. They're your typical zone and gap team. But my gosh, with all the motions and the shifts and the the different receive you know, skill position guys running on jet sweeps and reverses and the Philly special and all that kind of stuff. The Eagles do a great job of disguising their intentions and protecting their core plays with a lot of smoke and mirrors. And that seems to be the direction the Steelers want to move into. I know, I know all the, the Matt Canada, uh, well, I don't want to say haters, but the, you know, the, the, the people out there that aren't the biggest Canada supporters uh, are tired of hearing about all that, the, you know, the, the motions and the shifts, blah, blah, blah. What's it done for us the last two years? Well, it hasn't done a whole lot, but, then again, the Steelers haven't had the personnel that they do now, the depth that they do now. And if Canada can pair that with a more advanced downfield passing game and more competent quarterback play, then maybe the Steelers can get to where the Eagles are on offense. And that's pretty exciting. That really is. And we're going to talk about the imprints of these two gentlemen and what kind of competition we are having at camp when we come back right after this on Here We Go, The Steelers Show.
and we are back. It's here we go. The Steelers show on Steel Curtain Network, courtesy of Fans First Sports Network. Yes, we put the fans first and the fans are loving it right now because not only this, I'm going to say this right now. Not only are you getting 22 Steelers shows a week, original shows on Fans First Sports Network. So make sure you check out all of this. And if you like some other teams, well, you got to check them out too. And Kevin Smith has his very own show on the call sheet. It's called the call sheet. It's on the FFSN NFL feed. Yeah, it's a lot going on there, Brian. I mean, it's been exciting to to launch the the new uh, network and to get involved with lots of new endeavors and talk to all sorts of people all over the country. Uh, I mean, tomorrow for when I record my call sheet show, which runs on Wednesday, I'm, I'm going to be talking to Andrew Moore, uh, who covers the Colts for FFSN. We're going to be talking about the, the Jonathan Taylor situation and really about how NFL teams and, and players negotiate the business side of the sport. And uh, it just it's, it's cool. to You know, that, that's a guy I never would have gotten an opportunity to talk to. I've talked to people all over the country and uh, and it's a. a really interesting to just sort of get other perspectives. People are incredibly passionate about their teams, no matter who you talk to. You talk to guys with the Jets, you talk to guys with the Chargers, the 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 Browns, the Titans, whomever, and they're just really passionate about their teams. They, they love their football. And uh, of course, you know, nobody's as passionate as Steelers fans, but hey, but still, it's just, uh, it, it's, it really gives you an idea as to how much uh, football matters in America. And as somebody who's been just been a part of my life, my whole entire life, really. Uh, it, that's kind of validating. It makes you feel like you're doing something worthwhile. And it's really neat to mix in with these guys from other teams, especially the ones in the division. I've become good friends with uh, people with the Bengals. We have two different Bengals affiliates at FFSN, Running Through the Jungle, and the unofficial Bengals podcast. And, of course, the Fanatical Elves as well. That's John Suchan and his group with the Cleveland Browns. Uh, very great people. Fantastic guys. And when you talk to them, you understand what they're going through. They are just fans of a different culture and different laundry. I'm sorry, Brian. I, I draw my I draw a line at the Bengals. That's that's a that's a that's a bridge too oh, far, I, Brian. Uh, well, you know, one of our guys <laughs> on the homies, Brandon Harriet, is with running through the jungle, good old B-Dirt. So, you know, yeah, I get what you're saying, but, uh, you know, it's fun to see their perspective as well. But the black and gold perspective is what we're talking about here, and we're going to continue doing it. Yes, sir. So give me another position group. Let's talk about uh, about our our depth and and the, the camp battles, the competition. What's up next? Well, the competition is really interesting, I think, at wide receiver. Because you basically know who you have there. And when we talk about bringing players in, Omar Khan's first big signing last year of one of his own players was bringing back Deontay Johnson. When I say bringing him back, extending him and keeping him around in Pittsburgh. And that's very significant. They also, he was around, he was, you know, he was in the mix when George Pickens was drafted, George Pickens looking to make that jump from year one to year two. And it right now he came out today and saying he's one of the best wide receivers in the world, if not the best in the world. 
And that kind of bravado can sometimes get you in trouble. But George is one of those guys, Kevin, that can back it up. What do you say? Well, what we've seen from George Pickens so far in camp is a guy who looks like he's ready to take the leap. He looks like a more confident receiver. And the, one of the one of the things with receivers that helps them to elevate is that confidence, the familiarity with the coverages they're going to see, the route tree they're going to run, what they can expect from their own quarterback. Wing wide, playing wide receiver is so much of it is predicated on timing and communication. And when you don't have that down, it, it slows you down. It, it really, you, you start to think, they always talk about in football how a slow mind equals slow feet. And when you're thinking too much on the field, uh, it really slows you down both physically and mentally, obviously. But George Pickens right now looks like a guy who's playing with a clear mind. And that's a good thing. And and that, I, I think, is going to bring out the best in him. He ran a dig route uh, that somebody posted up on Twitter today uh, from, from training camp that just looked like you could make a clinic tape off it. It was absolutely expert. The way that he... Uh, a phrase you hear sometimes when they talk about wide receivers is the way he stacked the D-back, which basically means like he attacked his leverage and then he got right on the D-back's feet. And then as soon as that he got the, the, the defensive back in a compromising position, he, he sort of stuck uh, one, one hard jab step to the outside, opened up the corner's hips, and then broke right across his face in the middle of the field. It was beautifully done. Uh, it, it almost like looked like a bigger Antonio Brown. And again, not trying to make comparisons between Pickens. Oh, George Pickens is the next Antonio Brown. I'm not saying that at all. But I'm just saying the way that the way that he ran the route had uh, you know some reminiscence to it, and so he looks like he's going to be the number one guy. I just really believe George Pickens is evolving into a true number one receiver. The interesting thing will be in regard to the receiver position as far as the competition goes, the the uh, competition for reps because there's some good receivers there. I mean, beyond Pickens and Johnson, which are clearly they're one and two guys, you're going to have a slot battle with Robinson and Austin. Uh, and what you hear right now is that Robinson looks great and Austin's struggling a little bit, which makes total sense because now Austin is essentially a rookie trying to get acclimated, going through all of the transitions that Pickens went through last year. And Robinson is a, is a, a veteran who knows the game inside and out. And it would seem to be that like, he's got the inside track to the most reps there. But you know, then beyond him, man, you've got guys that are that are starting to to make some headlines too. I mean, you, you read great things about Cody White. Maybe that's true every camp that Cody White looks good in in camp and inevitably gets cut or on the practice squad or whatever. Um, but still, he's a guy that I think can play some good football. And Miles Boykin is a guy who can play some good football. So, so even if, like we were saying with the other position groups, the like the edge rushers or the guards or whatever, even if one of the Steelers' better receivers has to come off the field for injury or whatever reason, they're going to replace him with another really good receiver. And the offense will not skip a beat, and that's exciting. Now, we had this conversation on the preview last week. I am still head over heels in love with the possibility of Hakeem Butler, late of the XFL, a former first the first pick overall on day three, and I believe it was the 2019 draft. This guy's big. He's strong. He did well with A.J. McCarron at quarterback for him with the St. Louis Battlehawks of the XFL. Does he have a shot to make the team? Because Dave and Jeff were saying that he probably has his work cut out for him. You know what? I am so mad at myself right now, Brian, because you just mentioned the St. Louis Battlehawks of the XFL. 
We just had at our practice at Ocean City the other day, Anthony Becht, who was the head coach of the St. Louis Battlehawks of the XFL. And I completely forgot that Hakeem Butler was, was coming from the, the Battlehawks. So Anthony Becht owns a, owns a home in Ocean City where, where, we, where, we, uh, you know, where I coach. And his son, Rocco, uh, is a quarterback at Iowa State. And Rocco has, has been training with our guys at Ocean City. And, uh, and Anthony was in the other day. And we were all just, you know, he was at our practice. And we were just talking, et cetera, et cetera. And I completely forgot. I'm so mad at myself right now. But that's a great uh, that's a great uh, you know point that you make because he's another one. He's a guy who has a unique skill set and whose skill set translates to NFL football. Some of the guys who play in these uh, sub leagues, right, the XFL and the USFL, et cetera, uh, they they usually have, there's usually a glaring reason why they don't make it in in the pros right and Hakeem Butler was a former tight end and the reason he didn't make it originally was he just probably wasn't a good enough inline blocker but the tight end position evolved and and then he transitioned to a wide receiver and he's got all the skill set that are that are required for a, a big outside receiver so he'll be it'll be fascinating I would I mean I'm not going to lay money on it but I'd be willing to bet that he makes it that he makes the 53. Now did you just say that Rocco backed plays for Iowa State? Iowa State, yeah. He will be in the mix uh, to be their starting quarterback this year. So Hakeem Butler, who played for his dad at the St. Louis, on the St. Louis Battlehawks, also played college football at Iowa State. Oh, that's another great connection. I gotta be more prepared, man. I just, I come and on. Not <laughs> only that, not only that, coach Anthony Becht was a tight end, a first round pick out of West Virginia for the New York Jets. Yeah, he was had a had a really good NFL career. The Jets and the Buccaneers played there. I think I think about nine years in the league. He's a massive human being, by the way, Brian. Like when he shook my hand, it just engulfed my hand. He's about I don't know I don't know how tall he is. He looks about six 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 seven. He's thick. He looks like he'd still play in the league. Uh, he got a little belly on him, but other than that, he looks like he'd still play in the league, man. And I mean, it it gives you an appreciation. Like I was, I was talking to him and I was thinking, how the hell would I tackle this guy? I like Darnell Washington's that big. And I, I was thinking like the only hope I'd have would be to put my shoulder pads on his shins and just hope he doesn't hurdle me and, and, you know, embarrass me by hurtling over me. But that's the only way. Cause if you try to tackle him, like, uh, like you would, you would wrap and tackle somebody, you're just going to be roadkill. That is absolutely hilarious. Uh, yeah, I don't even want to try. It's mm -hmm. like Jerome Bettis used to have all these guys that would say, please, can I try to tackle you? And he's like, no, I would kill you. I would actually kill you. And I'm not, this is not bravado. I would hurt <laughs> you very bad. There was a thing up uh, one, one uh, time. I can't remember where I saw it, but it was like, it picked the four major sports. And it was like, what, what would you rather... What would you, you you have to do one of the following? What would you what would it rather be? You have to tackle Jerome Bettis in the open field. You have to bat against Randy Johnson. You have to skate uh, a sixty second shift uh, in the NHL in the Stanley Cup Finals. And I don't even remember what the basketball one was, but it was basically saying like, what's the scariest of of all these four? Uh, you know, and I I can't imagine doing any of them. It, it really gives yeah, me I appreciation for how how amazing. Uh, both the competition level, talent level, and just the physicality of professional sports are. Yeah, I I don't want to face a slap shot either. So from anybody, 
you know, I don't want to be in the net for a slap uh, slap shot, and I really don't want to try to guard Charles Barkley either. That no. that guy coming at me, I would scare me. Or a guy like Patrick Ewing with those thick guys just coming at you. Oh gosh, all four sports. Yeah, I don't want to do any of that. I like talking to you. I like having a headset on, Kevin, and and I'm really <laughs> comfortable. Yeah, I know this is this is far less uh, less d- dangerous. I know. I might get a I might get a splinter from a, from my pencil. That might be the biggest risk. <laughs> so let me ask you this, Kevin. We're gonna get ready to wrap up real soon. Are there any other position groups where you feel that Omar Khan and Andy Weidel have really greatly helped this team? Well, I love what they've done uh, with Patrick Peterson because when Patrick Peterson came in, he said that he was looking to be a guy. Uh, who would be able to be moved all over the secondary. And the Steelers have been true to that so far early in training camp. He's played outside at corner. He's played some slot corner. He's played at safety. It really looks like the Steelers are taking advantage of his veteran savvy, the fact that he he seems to know the entire secondary and can play all the positions in the secondary. Uh, he, he's probably serving as a mentor to a lot of the young guys. So, so not only is Peterson going to compete for starting time, but he's probably going to be a guy who will be used situationally in a variety of roles, which will allow the Steelers to integrate some other players. I mean, you know, you think like, hey, um, the the Steelers lose their slot guys or they lose Terrell Edmonds, right? What are they going to do in the slot? Edmonds played in the slot. Arthur Mollette played in the slot. And then, you know, they go and get a guy like Chandon Sullivan, who I think is a really underrated signing, who – who had a pretty good year last year as a slot corner. And then they bring in Peterson, who's going to get plugged in and will play in the slot. And they sign Keanu Neal, who will play in the box sometimes as that, as that you know low safety in their run-heavy packages when they want to get an extra defender down there. It just, again, it's what do they have? They have depth. They've got veteran presence. They've got options. And it really, again, I don't, I don't remember a time in the last – I don't, I don't want to put a time frame on it specifically, but it, it's been a it's been a few years since I remember a time when the Steelers could plug so many different competent professional football players into various roles, and you felt pretty good about it. You know, it, it's it's it's. I just remember the last few years. There was always a moment when you thought, "Oh, so and so is going to have to go on the field, and that's going to be a glaring weakness." It just doesn't. It doesn't feel that way right now. And I mean, again, it's, it was a masterful job by the front office in the offseason. It really is, and I I love what they've done. You could look at uh, so many other things here. You know, even when you look at what they did by bringing back both Mitch Trubisky and Mason Rudolph, making sure that they stayed, and you have you have very good depth at two and three at quarterback. And you're not relying on a uh, a project or where the Steelers were in a position with Duck Hodges just a few years ago and Mason Rudolph still being very young. You know, they're in a position that you don't want Kenny Pickett to go down, but if they do, they're covered there. So it seems like they covered not only the starting lineup all the way around, but they really have spectacular depth which I don't think we've seen this in a long, long time, Kevin. Nope, I agree 100%. And again, we had, we, we got through that whole conversation. We didn't even talk about Kenny Pickett. And, and his evolution might be the most exciting thing on the entire roster. So 
again, if you can go, you can talk that much without ever getting to the starting quarterback about uh, about the roster, then that's a good sign. It absolutely is. Do you have anybody in mind for dude of the week? Well, I know we've given the dude of the week already to Omar Khan, so I'm 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 not going to do that. But I'd kind of like to welcome in Quan Alexander, give him a, a welcome to Pittsburgh dude of the week. I think that's a really underrated signing, just like a lot of these signings have been. It it didn't make much noise because everybody's attention's on training camp, and it kind of it kind of you know just sort of came and went. I mean, I barely I saw it as a blip on ESPN real quick, and that and then it was gone. But don't forget, this guy was a Pro Bowler two years ago. This guy's still a, a relatively young football player uh, and a guy who is probably a hungry football player because, I mean, he he was without a contract up until a couple of days ago. And he and they signed him on one of those one-year prove-it deals. So he should be a guy whose best football uh, you know, comes out in Pittsburgh. So he, he would be my welcome to Pittsburgh dude of the week. Oh my gosh. And he is, uh, he's exciting and he's saying all the right things. He is not taking this chance for granted and he is letting everybody know it. So I will go ahead and see your Quan Alexander and raise you nobody. And I, you know, I'm going to stand pat. I love it. Quan Alexander is the dude of the week, Kevin. Yes, sir. Agreed. So all right, I'm, let's I'm, do it. Yeah, so next week at this time we'll have a we'll have a, a lot to talk about from uh, my Latrobe visit. So I'm really excited about that, and I will take copious notes. All right, I'll take great notes for everybody, and have a lot to report on the show next week. Myron copious notes. My, <laughs> I wish I could do a Myron Cope impersonation, but I'm I'm from New Jersey. Yoy. <laughs> I think I you can. West, I don't have the Western PA down yet. Well, I I'm. I've definitely been working on my Myron over the years, but I, the minute I do an impression, then Jeff Hartman and Dave Schofield jump in to tell me how bad my impression is. <laughs> they like my Dusty Roads more than anything, but they don't even like my Yinzer impression. I think my Yinzer impression is really good, but nobody seems to like it. So I'm just going to be quiet and say, Kevin, thank you. But I don't want to hear about it next week when we're recording the show. I think... Your partner here deserves a call from Latrobe. All right, I can do that. I can do that. Absolutely. I'll make my wife drive uh, on the turnpike. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll say that I have to report in. That sounds oh, like I want it from move. camp. I want it from the grounds. Oh, okay. All right. All right. You, Challenge accepted. Yeah, there you go. I can do that. All right. For Kevin Smith, my name is Brian Anthony Davis. This has been Here We Go, the Steelers show. Yes, training camp is here. There's a lot to be excited about. And you need to do this. Stick with Fans First Sports Network and Steel Curtain Network for all of your Pittsburgh Steelers needs and keep your feet on the ground. And keep reaching for those hypocycloids. <laughs>